against all the evil that hell can conjure, all the wickedness that mankind can produce, we will send unto them only you. Rip and tear until it is done. Hello there, and welcome to episode 6 of PlayStation Pals, a video game podcast. We hope you're staying cool out there as it is a very hot weekend slash week, so we hope you're listening in a very cool location. But who are we? I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the Nathan Drake to my Sully, John. (laughs) Yes, I am younger and more handsome. That is correct. (laughs) And you have the kids, and I just, and I'm the wild old adventurer. That's fine. I mean, I'm. I think I feel like so far with every single intro, I've gotten the the longer straw, uh, you know, to so to speak. So yeah, man, uh, keep that going. I like this trend. Oh, okay. And also, Sully has a mustache. <laughs> I I gotta say, he that has is a true. Sweet, sweet mustache. So that's perfect for me. Yes. Um, so John, are you ready to talk some video games today? Absolutely, man. It's not like it's you know it's a day that ends in Y, so I will be talking about video <laughs> games for sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, before we get into the format of the show, there are some smaller things I just wanted to mention. Uh, continuing the trend in which we talk about something and then a news item comes up about it. Uh, Rockstar Games, who we t- talked about lengthy last week, but guess what? They're bringing a big update. But mm-hmm. not to Red Dead 2. Sorry, folks. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> a giant update is coming to, you guessed it, Grand Theft Auto Online. It's called The Criminal Enterprises. It's coming July 26th. They're overhauling, balancing, and improving the game and adding a whole bunch of new content. Just what we all uh, asked for. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Yeah, John, you're you gonna hop. you going to hop in? There is not a damn thing that they could do, Nick, to get me to hop into that game. So, no, I will not. All right. Well, just letting everyone know. I didn't want to bum you all out at the start of the podcast, but it was a news item. And then secondly, Ubisoft, our good friends, who we also talked in a few podcasts ago, they had an earnings call in which they announced that Avatar Frontiers and Pandora is not coming out this year. It's going to miss the release date of the movie. That's I'm sure they're bummed about that. And the hotly anticipated game, Ghost Recon Frontlines, is canceled. <laughs> so no? same with the uh, the Splinter Cell, yeah. <laughs> the uh, Splinter Cell VR too, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I don't know, man. I don't know. I uh, you know I I know since we started this podcast, I've been a little down on Ubisoft, but they have such a ship to turn around right now, and I don't. I don't see it happening for a long, long time. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to do something major because it seems like right now the only thing that has even a positive trajectory, if you want to call it that, is Assassin's Creed. Other than that, man, like they are just. You know, I don't know if you saw that report that came out today as well. That there's developers even within the team that's working <laughs> on Skull and Bones yeah. who are not confident in the product, basically <laughs> saying that everything you've seen so far is what the game is. So don't expect deep systems. Don't expect, you know, anything beyond what we've seen. So uh, they're just sending that game out to die like we all thought. And, uh, I, you know, with the delay of Avatar, like you said, man, like, man, they got they got to do some some soul searching for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting what they'll have at this Ubisoft Ford event in uh, September, uh, what they're going to show at all. 
hopefully they can turn it around because, again, this this fall they're only going to have Mario and Rabbits and then Skull and Bones, which, as you mentioned, is not sounding so great. <laughs> so... <laughs> what? Sorry, I heard I heard something about Ubisoft games. So uh, we'll see. We'll be we'll be talking about them, you know, in uh, two months here when when this event yep. comes. So, uh, so other than that, we can move into the format of the show. So if you're new to the show, it's simple as, as this. I'm gonna bring three things. Why do I have trouble saying three things? I don't. That's just, I don't know, man. That, that's every a tongue week. twister. That's a tongue twister for me. And John's gonna bring three things for a total of six things. It can be a video game we're playing. It can be a news item. It can be a Reddit thread. It can be an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com. Any of those things, we're gonna bring them. We're gonna talk about them. And uh, kind of a light news week, but we did get one news item from Sony. And John, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this week, uh, July 14th, Sony put up a blog post uh, announcing a new loyalty program uh, that they're dubbing PlayStation Stars. Uh, And so rather than try to spin it with my own words, I figure it's probably best just to read a little bit of the press release just so we can get a good feel for what the what the new initiative is. Um, So this comes from Grace Chen, who is the vice president of network advertising uh, over at Sony. Uh, She says, today I am pleased to reveal PlayStation Stars, a brand new loyalty program that celebrates you, the player, for being on this ever-growing gaming journey with us. PlayStation Stars will will be free to join when it launches later this year. Once you become a member, you'll earn rewards by completing a variety of campaigns and activities. Our monthly check-in campaign simply requires you to play a game to receive the a, a reward, while other campaigns require you to win tournaments, earn specific trophies, or even be the first player to platinum a blockbuster title in your local time zone. Uh, all PlayStation Star members will have opportunities to earn loyalty points. Points can be redeemed in, the, in a catalog that may include PSN wallet funds or select PlayStation Store products. As an additional benefit, PlayStation Plus members enrolled in PlayStation Stars automatically earn points for purchases on PlayStation Store. Uh, Also, as a part of PlayStation Stars, we are unveiling a new type of reward called Digital Collectibles. Uh, Collectibles are as diverse as our portfolio of products and franchises. They are digital representations of things that PlayStation fans enjoy, including figurines of beloved and iconic characters from games and other forms of entertainment, as well as cherished devices that tap into Sony's history. So that's just kind of a brief overview of what the service is. And, um, you know, maybe for other, you know, for people out there, um, it's a comparison, I would say, to Nintendo's coin program um, or really any other. uh, I think Microsoft Rewards is the same thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a it's it's a free service that, you know, Sony didn't have to go out and do this. But I think it's it's kind of a cool thing just to keep the people who are into their ecosystem, you know, to keep them coming back for more to, you know, maybe if there is a multi platform game that you would want to buy on a different system, you know, to get you to buy it with Sony, um, you know, to, so obviously we, we don't have the specifics on how this is going to work, but in, in my eyes, similar to like the Nintendo program, when you buy anything on their store, they give you a percentage effectively back, uh, as coins. And then you can use those coins on future, uh, future purchases to knock off a little bit of money here or there. Uh, maybe you want to save them up and knock off a whole bunch or even get things like like little pins and whatnot that you can get shipped to yourself. So, you know, it's not going to revolutionize 
revolutionize the way that we play games. It's not going to do anything, um, you know, uh, transformative, but it's just a little way to kind of, you know, uh, reward the people who are loyal to them. Um, you know, what are your kind of thoughts, Nick, when you, when you first saw this, do you think this is something pretty cool or just kind of a, you know, a glancing thing that we'll forget about in six months? (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it doesn't hurt, you know, like, uh, I buy a lot of games, you know, I'm, enrolled in the PlayStation extra tier. Uh, so just getting some of that money back to just reinvest into this system, uh, is a good idea. Like I can't complain. Um, I kind of got a question for you, John, do you think this mm-hmm. will, will you buy more games digitally through the PlayStation store because of this? So that's a, yeah, that's an interesting point that I was going to bring up too. So, I'm wondering if this is some sort of sneaky way for them to get people to go digital. You know, obviously in the past five to 10 years, we've seen a dramatic increase uh, in the digital digital space when it comes to purchasing games. Uh, I believe it's something, you know, they, they throw out stats all the time, but I, I believe we're at a point where it's like 66, so roughly two thirds uh, of gamers are buying digitally. Uh, Nick and I are both in the physical camp still. Mm-hmm. Um, so this honestly, yeah, man, if, if, if they decide that the only way you can get money back is to buy digitally, I'm going to look into it because the main reason I do physical is that I'm a cheapskate and I can give games back to GameStop to get discounts off future games, right? Yep. That's that's pr- exactly. that's probably the number one reason. Um, I am also a shelf guy, so I do like seeing the cases and whatnot, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if that is a digital-only thing. Uh, Again, to kind of compare it to Nintendo, what they could do, though, is when you buy a physical game through Nintendo, uh, inside their case is a, a 12, a 12-digit 12 code that you can put into the store to effectively redeem the same amount of coins that you would have gotten if you bought it digitally. So, you know, if that is something that's so... Like, if the crux of this service is to just kind of have these a little system where you can, you know, get wallet funds and things like that, if they uh, include that into a physical copy, I'll probably stick with physical. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am... You know, I feel like I'm kind of getting to a point with physical. I don't know if you feel the same way, Nick, where I'm just kind of that curmudgeonly old man that just dug his <laughs> heels in so hard that he says, no, I'm going to stick this way because, like, this is what I do. But, you know, as time goes on, as these sales become more and more pervasive every week, you know, we're in the middle of a summer sale right now. So anybody out there, if there's games you want on sale, go check the store. There might be a discount on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've started to collect these games, you know, like we're going to talk about a game here in a second that I've been playing that I have digitally. It is very, very convenient just to be able to go into your media bar and just load in the thing you want as opposed to get off of my couch, which, you know, Nick's, Nick's seen my couch. It's not easy to get off of. It's basically <laughs> just like a, you know, a 10 by 7 foot bed. So uh, it would be nice not to have to do that. But yeah, I mean, kind of that's a long winded way to answer your question, Nick. But like it's if, if it is a tied exclusively to digital purchases, then yeah, because Sony gets a bigger cut of it. You know, they don't have to pay a middleman. It's obviously something they would want to do. So you know, it's 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 something to keep an eye on uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I again, I, I'm curious to see what the what a what you get uh, when you mm-hmm. make these purchases, and when, then what's the translation if I purchase a seventy dollars Sony game? What percentage am I getting back? Uh, I'll be curious. Yeah, I've never done the math. Um, I would say Nintendo is somewhere in the like two to three percent ballpark it's usually enough to maybe cover tax which i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna 
you know, uh, get mad about it. It helps me out a little bit, but it's, it's nothing game changing again. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, one, ooh, one other thing I did want to note is they've already made very clear these, uh, digital collectibles that they're talking <laughs> about. They are not NFTs. Um, you know, so I know, that, you know, I think NFTs have such a negative connotation right now. Uh, you know, the people who believe in them, you know, just are simply say, well, you just don't get it, which, you know, I, I, could be the case. There's many times in history that somebody comes out with something and people are resistant until they see a proof of concept. I am in the camp that it's all just a big scam. Um, but just wanted to at least make it clear that these are digital collectibles. You cannot sell them to other people. They are not in the blockchain, nothing like that. It's literally uh, a way for you to kind of show off a little bit of maybe your personality. And um, one last thing I do want to mention about about this is I wonder if these digital collectibles um, could tie into a potential PlayStation Home future. Um, mm. You know, there have been room, there have been rumors lately of of PlayStation Home making a return. You know, with the the metaverse and things like that. You know, Sony's probably sees a very easy entry point if it does become a thing or even if it doesn't become a thing, you know, just to give people, you know, a space to, um, you know, showcase themselves, you know, there, there could be a future where it would be kind of cool to, if I have my own little, you know, my PlayStation home room and like, you can have a badass Kratos statue that you only get from platinuming a game, you know, that you could Mm -hmm. showcase. And that would be a much, much cooler thing than like, Hey, I just look at my trophy list. So you know, there is uh, there is some possibility there, and I don't know if we're just kind of seeing the foundation being laid for it, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that going forward, too. Yeah, that is that is a great point. I didn't even think about that, and especially with PlayStation VR coming, like doing yep. PlayStation Home in VR, and then now you're, the place that you're talking about is a virtual space that you see through VR. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you can use the controllers to pick up, pick things up and, you know, there's going to be all those haptics back in the controller. So yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some potential there. There's I some want, potential. I, I want it to be known if this actually happens. We said it first. <laughs> I want all the news articles to reference PlayStation Pals podcast for leaking this and predicting correct. Cause yeah, that's a good one. Ed. I, yeah. I really believe that is something that is going to happen. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, out. you know, I know, yeah, Haven, Haven's got, you know, their game in the ether. They keep talking about all this weird cloud stuff that they're doing. So, you know, who knows, man, there's lots of, obviously we don't know what anybody's working on out past God of War right now, with the exception, I guess, of Wolverine and Spider-Man too. So, you know, yeah, lots of possibilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So moving on, we're going to get into some games that we played this week and judging by the title here, of the podcast, you probably know that I have played, completed, and platinumed Stray, which is a third-person adventure game that just came out this week. It's kind of the, the talk of the internet right now. Uh, it was developed by Blue 12 Studio, which is an indie studio. So I played mm-hmm. an indie game. I don't know where these horrible rumors are being spread yeah. that I don't play indie games. But I look at that. I, I played an indie game, and it's only episode six, and I already played one. Well, with so. the way that Sony's marketing this game, you would think it's a AAA game. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it was initially revealed at the PlayStation's Future of Gaming event in 2020 and kind of has been attached to Sony ever since. It's been kind of a weird, a weird thing that they're so into this game. But uh, it, is, it released this week for 30 bucks. 
but it is also on the PlayStation Extra tier. So if you want to play this game, just pay for the PlayStation Extra tier. I would not recommend playing the full $30. Uh, Let me just game. cut in here real quick, real quick, Nick. So just a PSA to everybody out there because uh, this is something you should definitely take heed of. So I w- I'm one of those people I haven't upgraded yet. I went to look and just, just went to log into the PlayStation Store to see how much it would cost to upgrade. Sony is going to prorate your, your upgrade. Mm-hmm. So for me specifically, I went in to look to upgrade to the next tier to see if it's worth it for Stray. I would only have to pay $25. So it's actually cheaper than it is to buy that game. So I just want everybody out there to know that if it is something you're interested in check out the extra tier first because you could get stray and a whole bunch of other stuff because as nick's probably about to explain he's already platinum this game you'll have a <laughs> you know an opportunity to check out some other games outside of it so, right anyway go ahead nick sorry yeah no 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 you're exactly right so i mean you are not owning the game i guess if you're playing for the extra tier so if they mm-hmm. ever decide to remove it then you would lose access to it but but I, I'm just saying uh, yeah you should just upgrade to the extra tier if you want to play this game um, so this game as I mentioned is a third person game where you play as a cat where you are lost in a cyberpunk dystopian city filled with robots and early on you meet a robot companion and you try to discover a way out of the city and the mysteries within the game is a mix of puzzles platforming and exploration and before I get into my thoughts on the game, I know, John, you were, let's say, aggravated with the coverage <laughs> of this game leading up to release. Uh, do you want to expand on that? No, because I don't want the Internet to hate me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like cats. Cats are fine. Cats are cool. Dogs are better. Um, so I'll just throw that out there right now. But in in action, you know, in seriousness, it's not an annoying way that they're marketing it. It's just... You go on Reddit and you see like the uh, oh the official discussion or like you know it's getting trying to put in a meow pun any which way you can. It's just getting a little tiresome, and you know I'll I'll save judgments till I actually play the game. I, I'm sure it's great. It's been getting great reviews. I, I think you're pretty positive on it. Obviously, we'll find out here in a second. But it's just a, it's a little tiring, especially then when you have certain people in your life. I will not name names that, um, you know, talk about cats quite a bit. So I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes, the Internet and cats have been a thing for a long time. So when you have a cat simulator game come out, uh, you know, they love it. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so the game is very good. I think it, it's right now at an 84 on Open Critic. I think that's pretty accurate. I would probably give the game an 8 out of 10. Um, the attention to detail, as we talk about a lot in other games that we like, in this game is incredible. Uh, the, the animation on the cat, uh, the you, you know, you can meow, he scratches himself, he sleeps, he acts like a cat, and the animation's perfect. The animation on the, all the robots you're meeting is incredible. It's really well done. The city is very detailed. It's got a bunch of neon lights and dark alleys, and all of the environments are just they're just great. Um, nice. Uh, it is a very linear game. It kind of has linear sections, and then you kind of get into a bigger hub section where you kind of do like adventure game puzzles and, you know, trade this with this guy, then trade this with another guy, and, you know, find out things. Uh and then there are a few small combat encounters. There are head crabs in the game, but they're called zerks. <laughs> but they uh, they act and look just like head crabs. They're head crabs with one giant single eye on them. 
Uh, they are kind of the enemies in the game. And then later in the game, there are drones, just flying robots that are trying to search for you. So there are a little few stealth sections in the game. Uh, so being a cat is great, but also with being a cat is kind of the weakness because what can a cat really do? He just knocks things over. Mm-hmm. He just jumps, jumps the thing. So a lot of the puzzles are just finding things in a room, knocking something over, uh, picking things up and putting them there. So the puzzles are not very difficult. Uh, the, also the runtime, I beat this game in three hours and 50 minutes, and that was getting mm-hmm. most of the side quests and collectibles. Uh, There is a trophy for beating the game under two hours, which I got. I beat it in one hour and 31 minutes. So the game is very short, which may be a benefit to some people. I know people like uh, short experiences. (laughs) Yeah, you you can pick up the game and you're done with it. Uh, But if you're paying $30 for it, I don't know how I would feel about that. I don't want to get into the price versus hours comparison, but I think in this case that it is a little much for you know a four-hour game um yeah so it's a good game you should check it out especially if you're already subscribed to the playstation extra tier because it's free there um did you have any questions about the game john uh no i mean just i guess you said the studio blue 12 that's Mm -hmm. is this their first game yes Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's that's exciting. I always like it when there's a there's a new team to to kind of watch out for. But um, one thing I did notice. Oh, sorry. I, I just everybody. I just searched stray video game, and in the very first thing it says it's perfection. It's, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, um, one thing to kind of note that I did. Uh, I saw today that was kind of eye opening is. Um, this smashed Annapurna's record for they they published the game um, for concurrent Twitch streamers for one of their releases. Before this game, their highest concurrent uh, viewer count on Twitch was eight thousand seven hundred for twelve minutes. This game got up to sixty three thousand. So. Mm-hmm. It just it just shows you know how I guess how much people like cats, but just how much attention this game is getting, and um, you know hopefully it's a it's a great success story. We see Blue Twelve go on to make more immersive kind of experiences, and you know maybe I'll get my way and they can make a, a dog game because at least you know <laughs> dogs are cool. Um, but I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice to kind of have an indie game come out and be the talk of the town, kind of like Undertale we talked about last week. And uh, come out and be a good game and just have the internet embrace it. You know, I think the studio is only five people. So, you know, it's a a good story all around. So, yeah, check it out. And it came out at the the perfect time. I mean, (laughs) I get it. Perfect time. Uh, (laughs) um, I mean, I think, you know, if this game got released around a juggernaut like you know i'm not like ragnarok that's just the easiest comparison because that's coming up but one you know along like a spider-man or or something like that you know it would have had a little bit of the spotlight taken away i'm sure it would have still got the cat people but i wouldn't see it probably having the the talk it's getting now so i think they also wisely released it in july and you know they'll see hopefully some success from that i'm I'm sure this will not be the last time sony invests some money into this studio so you know i would imagine we'll see them see them again Yep, for sure. All right, yeah. well, moving on, judging by the clip that started the podcast, John, what game <laughs> are you playing? 
Yeah, so I just finished uh, Doom Eternal. So a little bit of a backlog game for me. It's one of those lingering PS4 games that I just kind of, you know, was having a hard time swallowing, not being able to beat similarly to Final Fantasy VII Remake. So finally was able to get the opportunity to go into it because let me tell you, man, this is a game you need to be in the mood for in the (laughs) sense that you better be ready for loud, fast, and just, you know, nonstop. Um, So this game, like, like I said, got released. March 20th of 2020, uh, interestingly enough, the same day as Animal Crossing. I kind of remember that when it came out because it was such a, both games in their own right were, you know, amazing for very different reasons. And uh, it was just kind of, yeah, it was just kind of funny to see. Um, But, you know, developed by id Software, published by Bethesda, you know, one of those last games from, uh, you know, last games on PlayStation that we'll see from Bethesda. So a little sad there, but um yeah, it's 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 a very very good game. I mean, when you play Doom, you know what you're you're getting into, right? I don't think anybody mm-hmm. loads up Doom expecting any experience other than what they're getting. So, you know, it's fast, it's bloody, it's gory, it's it's kinetic, it's all those things. Um, but, you know, the game does a very good job of keeping things fresh and and having you you know, not just stick to one thing. I know, I know that there's, um, you know, some complaints um, out there where you can't just find the gun you like to get through the game. The game is constantly making you flip through things to exploit weaknesses, uh, to get advantage on demons and things like that. And that is both, I think, a great, great thing, but also a little bit, a little bit of a detriment, especially later in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'll get to that in a, in a little bit. But um, just to kind of give a little bit of overview how the game operates, so. You obviously have an arsenal of shotguns and machine guns, things like that, but you also have a chainsaw. You also have a flamethrower, and what those allow you to do is to kind of keep your systems and your your vitals where you want them to be. So, for instance, uh, anybody who's playing Doom knows that when you almost kill an enemy, they go into what's kind of a, a glory kill state where they start flashing. And if you push the right trigger in, you're going to do a you know a really visceral thing where maybe you rip their arms out and shove it in their head to kill them or you know something <laughs> crazy. Um, so if you do that, you're going to get health back. So that's great if you're low on health. If you use the flamethrower, if you use the flamethrower to light somebody on fire and then kill them, you're going to get armor. So you can, you know, uh, pad up your armor a little bit. And then if you need ammo, you can use the chainsaw. And it's nice, the chainsaw and the the flamethrower are always on a, on a um, you know, they're always charging back up. So you use it, you know you're going to have it again in 15, 20 seconds. It's not that big of a deal. So it allows you to, to be really, really fluid uh, and just kind of zip all over the place, um, you know, which kind of leads into another thing that the game was very, very good at. It It's surprisingly fun. It's a surprisingly fun platformer. You're, you get two dashes that, you know, get you across a ridiculous amount of space so you're constantly clinging to walls trying to find the next one zipping across your super shotgun has a grappling hook in this one so you can grapple on the enemy shoot them in the face jump over to here jump over to there and it's it's really satisfying to do that um additionally i think the game has an excellent map system and collectible system so uh when i started this game i was uh had the intention of getting the platinum in it didn't seem like it would be too much of a lift. And so I started playing with YouTube videos and kind of following those to make sure I got everything. And what I realized after doing that about two to three times is that the game 
doesn't fuck around with, you know, trying to give you annoying ways to get secrets. It's all pretty straightforward. If you see an item on a map, there's going to be a little crack in the wall that you have to punch to break it open. You might have to do a blind jump off a cliff, but you know, it's not too much of a penalty because you're just going to, you know, you lose like 10 health and you come right back where you are. So, you know, it allows you to really, you know, use that fun platforming that I mentioned uh, to, you know, play around with the environments a little bit. So that was really nice. Um, yeah. And for like, as you know, for a guy who just likes single player games and not really about first person shooters, this is about as good as you can get for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so I really, really like all of that stuff. Um, I will say though, it's not perfect. Uh, there were some things that kind of got a little tiresome. And, and again, I kind of mentioned it earlier towards the end of the game. So the game started to feel like it was kind of painting itself in a corner where you, you start the game, you get introduced to the mechanics, you get introduced to some of the more grunt type enemies. And it's really, really fun because like I said, you're flying around these arenas, you're doing these visceral kills on everybody. You're kind of, you know, using the weapons you want and, and it's, it's a great time. And then you move on. And then they introduce heavy enemies. And those guys, you know, they're a little bit more bullet spongy. They probably have a special way you need to kill one, you know, whether it's a, I think it's called, they're called a mancubus, which you need to sniper rifle off. They have basically arms or guns for arms. You need to shoot those off so that you can immobilize them. And they start to introduce that. And then you get super, <laughs> super heavy enemies. And like, and that's when it gets to the kind of the point where it's like, all right, these guys are big bears. You see them, they're taking up all your focus. But what the game does about 75% of the way through, because they realize we need to keep ratcheting up, but we've exhausted all of our enemies, is they introduce this dumb little thing. I think they're called totems, which if there's one present on the battlefield, it puts everybody into this like hyper frenzied state where they move faster, they hit stronger, (laughs) and... They're fucking relentless, man. Like, if that happens, it was fine initially, again, because, like, they they do a good job with ratcheting up a little bit at a time where they introduce the totems, they kind of pull back on the super heavies and the heavies, where you're just getting grunt guys. Again, they're kind of annoying because they're super fast, but you can deal with it. Uh, And if you do find the totem in the uh, arena, you can punch it, and it negates all that, and so you don't have to worry about it anymore. But once they start to ratchet up to such a degree that the grunts are in this hyped-up state, then the heavy and the super heavies are, it just becomes an unmanageable mess where you can't dash anywhere. You can't double jump anywhere. You're getting swarmed and hit and things are flying at you from everywhere where it just, you know, we've all experienced it where a game just all of a sudden doesn't become fun. And that's kind of where it got so much so that I I had to do the thing that we all hate to do where you actually bump down the difficulty just to get through something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was fine. I'm, I'm There's no diff- trophies tied to difficulty, but it was still kind of a little yucky, lucky feeling or yeah, a little yucky feeling where I was hoping that, you know, they wouldn't have had to do that, but it definitely didn't detract away from the, the, the overall feelings of the game. Um, and then just a couple minor things, weak final boss fight. You know, I think they could have done a better job with that. It's just one of those generic, like hit every part of the enemy until you get their, their armor off and then punch them. And it's just like, I don't know, man, like for a final boss, <laughs> I, I would have hoped I could have used, you know, something, something a little more unique. But, um, other than that, man, I mean, I would highly, highly recommend this game for people who like f- first person shooters. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think it's on the extra, extra tier plus, but I believe the 2016 version of Doom is. So if you haven't played either, I would maybe consider just jumping into that to get a, f- a flavor for it. Because again, it's, it's very similar. This and, uh, and Doom Eternal and Doom 2016, uh, both fast, both fun. Um, 
But one last thing, uh, I regret to say I will not be going for the platinum in this game. I decided last night <laughs> it is just not it is just not worth it to get the multiplayer trophies. This this game does a dumb thing where, you know, it has a really, really fun trophy list. I've gotten every trophy in the game except for the multiplayer stuff, and it's not something like, try this game mode up, try that game mode up. It's literally one of those, you know, kill 200 enemies. You know, kill each enemy this many times with this gun. It's like, I don't... I don't have enough free time for that stuff anymore, so it's gonna have to it's gonna have to remain a non platinum game for me. But again, still highly recommend. Um, and yeah, I mean that's about all I got. Nick, do you got any any thoughts? Yeah, we should, we could do a whole podcast topic about when to platinum, when not to platinum. What are good yeah. What are good trophies? What are bad trophies? And multiplayer trophies are the worst <laughs> for sure yeah, it was it was a hard pill to swallow man because like i had yeah. my i like i i beat the game and then i went back and then i you know got the couple collectibles i missed i was like really i was still going i was committed and then i looked at what was remaining i'm just like ah i can't i, I just can't i deleted yeah. the game to not even have to think about it and <laughs> you know on the bigger and better things so yeah 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 um does the ending set up a sequel and if it, if it does, do you want what do you want it to do next? Do you want a Doom three in this current um, iteration? I would. I mean, I definitely would. I think this is one of those series that like it does it. It doesn't sell itself on its story. You know, it, it's you're you're just ripping and tearing through the whole thing. You're not really caring. It it so it, it doesn't really set itself up for a sequel. Um, you know, without giving many spoilers again i don't think people really care about spoilers for the story of doom eternal but you basically take on this threat where if it lingers on earth too long uh you know it's going to (laughs) it's kind of funny it's going to create a black hole that will wipe out the universe so not even earth like the universe (laughs) um which is just yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and and you you know suffice to say mr doom slayer him you know little little humanoid man himself is able to take on this threat and gets rid of it but this is the the power of hell we're talking about, right? So, <laughs> you know, if they want to come back, I think if anybody is good for a, a rebound or you know, uh, getting back on their feet, it's it's good old Satan. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would be I I would be I would actually be shocked if Bethesda doesn't make another Doom. Uh, you know, especially since Microsoft is a much more shooter focused uh, platform. So, um, you know, luckily I have an Xbox. If it comes out, I will be I will be playing it. Um, but again, like I said from the get go, man, make sure you are in the mood because this is one of the most. It's it's one of those games where you you get through a fight and you go <sighs> and just like you know and just take a big old breath and it's it's very exhausting. So make sure you're in the mood if you want to play it. But yeah, it's it's great stuff. Didn't they have to get DLC? It did, yeah. It had the Ancient Gods Part One and the Ancient Gods Part Two. Um, I've heard pretty good things. I, I think it's more of the same. I, I honestly haven't really looked into it much. I'm not much of a DLC guy myself. When I, you know, get something, I'm, I'm Boo. part of the reason I play. Part of the reason I play video games is to move on to the next thing, which is you know defeats the entire point. But um, you know, I, and I don't want to spend the extra money on it if I'm being honest. So sure. I, I think I think it's kind of. You know, something there if you want it, but nothing, nothing that you have to worry about missing. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. We got three topics for you. And the first topic that I'm going to be bringing is pre-ordering video games. Uh, This was inspired because God of War Ragnarok uh, preloaders just went live on July 15th. And I know the internet loves the hate on pre-ordering. They will always <laughs> tell you not to do it, 
But in spite of the internet, me and John both pre-order games. So I just wanted uh, to get a discussion on it. Um, John, what are your thoughts on pre-ordering video games? Yeah, uh, it's a very, very rare situation for me. Um, I know, I know, you just said I pre-order games, but you know, if I were to if I were to put a number on it in the past ten years, I've probably pre-ordered three to five games. Um, it, it it takes a very special thing for me. Um, you know, when you truly know your own taste, right? So, God of War Ragnarok is a proof. It, that's a no-brainer. And when the first one came out, you know, it's it set the world on fire. It reinvented itself. It nailed everything it set out to do. And this looks like more of the same, which for better or for worse, gives me full confidence to pre-order. Um, you know, especially being that it's a first Sony first-party backed game, they don't tend to release games in less than finished state. So I feel comfortable with that one. But I say I would say overall, it's. I would say it's it's usually not a good idea. I think we've gotten into, as an industry, this place where developers are comfortable releasing games in states that they shouldn't be comfortable in, in with just the idea that we can patch it later and it's better to just get the game out and get the money than to, you know, worry about the backlash. Um, you know, we see it time and time again with... You know, the most famous recent example, CD Projekt Red, right, with with Cyberpunk mm-hmm. 2077. That, that game that game turned out fantastic eventually, right? It, it was great on PC, but if you pre-ordered that game on PS4, you effectively had a broken game that you, uh, that you essentially couldn't play. And to my knowledge, it really still isn't in a playable st- state on that platform. And granted, that's a very you know, exaggerated instance, it's usually not that bad, but Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, if you, if a game gets you so excited that you just can't not be there on day one, you know, I would say go for it because you, you seemingly already made up your mind at that point. But if you have any way of waiting, even, and I'm not saying you have to wait for a price drop or wait till they patch it. You just have to wait a day because you're going to see reviews. You're going to get impressions from people. You're going to get a good understanding if this game is worth it at this point or not. And um, if it's not, you saved yourself some grief and anger. And if it if it is worth it, you get it the next day. Or, I mean, honestly, even later in the day, you don't need to be there at midnight <laughs> on the day that it comes out. So, um, overall, I think it's almost always a better way to just wait. But like I said, you know, I know myself if from software releases a game or, you know, I got obviously the, the sequel to God of war, I, I am going to be there day one, but these are teams and studios with proven, proven track records. <laughs> and if you're, you know, if you're somebody out there pre-ordering the next Assassin's Creed and it comes out like unity does and like faces didn't render, that's honestly kind of on you at this point, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, I think, but we live in a materialistic society where people need the next thing immediately so that they can, you know, get their their Twitter cred or their Instagram <laughs> followers or whatever the case. Um, man, I just probably sounded so old right there. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's never a good idea, typically. Yeah, I, I want a forensic accountant on you. You said you only did five pre-orders in like the last 10 years. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at yeah, all. Dude. The guy so integrated into the video game industry that you're doing a podcast about it 
I think I think you pre-order more than more than you're letting <laughs> Hold on. on. No, 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 no. So I pre-ordered Elden Ring. I pre-ordered Bloodborne. I pre-ordered the first God of War. Well, did you and Forbidden Ghost? West. Ghost and no. Last of Us Two and Spider Man Miles Morales. I, I can you I mean I guess if you <laughs> Well, if you count like buying the console, I guess the day it releases, sure. I'm, I want to make sure I no, have I was, some games to play. No, that's not the console. Play. I'm just saying Miles Morales. Well, I know, but Mi- well, but Miles Morales came out on the day the console <laughs> released, right? So, like, I wanted to make sure I had at least something to play then. But all right, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> I'll bump it up to ten. But yeah, I, no, I, I didn't pre-order Ghosts. I I don't think I did. I don't know. You probably you probably probably honestly know. Uh, I don't and I definitely ordered Last of Us too. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not it's not much. It's it's first party stuff. Maybe it's not well, much. It's fine. I honestly, it's fine. I just I know I know. <laughs> but the point I'm making uh, here is, you know, yep, Cyberpunk 2077 comes out. Everyone's like, you shouldn't pre-order games because Cyberpunk or CD Projekt Red is a trusted studio. They did The Witcher Three, one of the greatest games of all time. So one would think that Cyberpunk 2077 would be great. But I bet you those same people, after getting burned by Cyberpunk 27, went and pre-ordered Elden Ring. It's one of those yeah. things where it's like, I don't pre-order games unless it's my studio and my game, then I'm probably doing it. You know, That's- I do got to push back a little bit on that, though, Nick, because The Witcher 3 was in a real bad state bug-wise for a <laughs> long time. So I'm just saying, if it is something that, you know, if you are... If you are uh, looking at that studio, you know, there right. was a little bit of writing on the walls, but not not a ton. Obviously, right. it got there. It's just, you know, it took a bit. Right. So so I think most people do. I, I like, again, we're, when you're enamored with the industry and it's fun to be in the conversation as these games come out, because that's when, you know, the bulk of the conversation is happening. That's when all the podcasts are talking about it. And when mm-hmm. all the articles are being written, it's fun to be to have something to say on this this new game that came out. So I understand it from that point. But, uh, yeah, you know. If it burns you like Cyberpunk did for many people, like that is on you. You got to own it. But I, I just think most people pre-order games because they love them. They love the studios making yeah. them, so they're doing it anyway. Um, yeah, have man. you ever been burned by a pre-order? Other, I know you didn't pre-order Cyberpunk 2077, so that doesn't count. But did you ever pre-order a game for it to be turn out bad? <clears throat> I would say the worst example for me is probably Borderlands the pre-sequel. I think I pre-ordered, and not that it was a bad game. I just, you know, I, I believe it came out after the PS4 released, but it was only for PS3, so it was already kind of in this weird space where it's like it felt a little old. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I just had to buy it day one because I love Borderlands 2 so much, but just a little bit of a letdown because I, di- I didn't like the the managing your oxygen component and, and all that. Um, but that's probably the the worst example I can think of. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I had I had a pretty bad one. It was Layer for PS3. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was Factor Five again. You you think you can trust the studio? They were doing the Rogue Squadron games on GameCube, 
And uh, this was a, a, if you didn't know, it was a flying dragon game. So they've done flight before as you piloted X-Wing, X-Wings and stuff in Rogue Squadron. You'd think this would be good, but it relied on the six axis controller so much. And it was just a, it was a, it was horrible. It was a, it was a terrible game. I feel like that's one of those infamous ones where if you just say layer to the right person in the video game industry, they kind of just have a, a shiver down their spine. <laughs> I know that I know that was one of those ones that nobody has positive things to say about. Yeah. It's like it, a, it, a Balan, a Balan Wonderworld, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was not, a hyped exclusive for PlayStation, you know? So, yeah, yeah that, that hurt. And I also did do uh, Agents of Mayhem, which wasn't a bad game. This was kind of a the next game from Volition after they were done with Saints Row. So, again, I thought, oh, yeah, that's great. It looks good. looks fun. But it, it reviewed badly, and I did complete it. It wasn't the worst thing, but I wish I – because I, I think a month later it was probably 15 bucks. Like, it, it, it plummeted hard. I remember seeing it at GameStop for uh, $1.99. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Did now? Did you did you hate beat it or did you like actually like I am not hate I'm, I enjoy this or it was, it was like oh, I I I bought this for sixty dollars <laughs> I have to beat it. Yeah, you know? it was probably a hate beat because it was a very uh, even though you could switch between multiple characters, what you did with those characters was the same thing. You killed the same enemies. You went in the same like prefabricated yeah. bases. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. So yeah, I probably hate beat it as well. Mm. And I and I and I did pre-order Cyberpunk 2077 as well digitally on the PlayStation Store. So I was also burned initially by that, but then it eventually got fixed and was one of my favorite games of the year. So yeah, yeah, and that's but that's uh, you just said it right there, man. That is the exact reason for this conversation. Is <laughs> just if you if you have patience. There's there's too many upsides. It'll be it'll be fixed. You might get extra content, you know, with like, you know, I waited to play Horizon for a little bit, right? Not purposefully, but it just happened that way. And then I got, you know, some VRR support and a little extra bells and whistles. Oh, and the, and the biggest thing ever for that game for me is I didn't have to deal with the animation of picking up every little piece of sticks on the ground. So, <laughs> yes. you know, and then you also you're going to get it for cheaper too. like anybody who orders a, pre, a Ubisoft game pre-orders a Ubisoft game, whether they're the biggest Assassin's Creed fan on the planet or not, is in my eyes a little silly because those games are always 20 bucks within two months anyway. Yeah. But, you know, that's only if you're a psycho like Nick or I who pays attention to these kind of things. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, ideally, yes, never pre-order games. It's, it's in your best interest to wait. Man, if, if you could just wait like two years, like you had a two-year policy on every game, you would you would save a lot of money. <laughs> That's for you'd, sure. You'd save a lot of money. And like, you know, like we said in a couple episodes ago, man, if, if you are, you know, let's say you're a, a born again gamer and you get the extra tier. Oh, my God. You mm-hmm. have everything, yeah. everything in the best version in the best way possible. So, yep. yeah, yeah. So patience is a virtue. I can't do it. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on from consumerism. Let's move on to your t- next topic, John. To more consumerism? Yep, that's all. That's the, the second half of this podcast is all consumerism. So, yeah, buckle in, everybody. So, so yeah, so I just wanted to like kind of briefly talk, and this will be a quick one, but you know, just bring it along the uh, the question: Does should Sony do another portable console? And so. You know, anybody who's been a longtime PlayStation fan knows Sony has twice ventured into the handheld space that is 
primarily dominated by Nintendo and is to this day. Uh, They came out with the PSP and the PlayStation Vita. One of them sold 80 million units, and the next one sold 10 to 15. So as you can obviously see, there was a major, major drop-off, which I think scared Sony. But as we're seeing right now with the success of the Switch and you know with the over, overwhelming positive reviews of the deck, the Steam Deck that I've heard, I'm just wondering if this is a space that Sony should try to explore again or if it's, you know, in their best interest to just let Nintendo run away with it because it's nobody's challenging Nintendo at all and they're obviously just destroying. Like so far the Switch has sold 108 million units, which is fifth all time. It's about to pass the PS4. Uh, the Nintendo DS is the second best selling video game piece of hardware ever at 154 million the 3ds has 76 million the game boy has 119 million the game boy advance is 82 million so you can obviously see there is a major major amount of people out there that that play at this space you know whether it's people in japan who live a little bit in closer quarters than we do who commute all the time so they they use that to play or they're rather their kids you know whose parents maybe aren't ready to get them that full-fledged console experience but want to get them you know something to to distract themselves that isn't an ipad so you know it's just an interesting thing because with with the the vita i just don't know if sony's getting the right message you know, with the reception of that system. And I kind of wanted to just go over a little bit on reasons that I think that might have failed. And, you know, we can have a quick conversation, Nick, if we think this is something that they, you know, should take a crack at again. But I think when you look at the reasons the Vita failed, you can kind of look at a a, a couple major points, right? And the biggest is probably the lack of first-party support. How many first-party games for the Vita can you name, Nick? Oh, boy. You're really putting me on yeah. the spot now. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is. I'm trying to prove a point. <laughs> was was Golden Abyss Uncharted Golden Abyss on there? I don't think it was. It was PSP, wasn't it? Nope that that's one of them. That is one of them. Oh, okay. That's yeah. from. Yep, that's from Sony Ben. So Sony Ben did Golden Abyss. So didn't they didn't even give it to the the naughty you know the Uncharted team. They gave it to <laughs> Ben. So just real quick, I, I looked up you know what I would say is is some of the top. PlayStation first party games. We have Gravity Rush, we have Killzone Mercenary, Freedom Wars, Hot Shots Golf, Little Big Planet, Tearaway, Uncharted Golden Abyss, and Wipeout 2048. Some of those games might be some people's favorite games ever. Some people might love those games. I think, though, unquestionably, it's a bad list of first party games. When you have the talent that Sony does in their first party studios, and with, you know, as we saw with the PS4, you know, every single game that came out pretty much was a banger. It's almost like Sony wanted this thing to fail. And I, you know, and maybe for the PS4 to succeed, the Vita had to die. But it's just, you know, it's it's obvious when you look at the games that they were making for them that they kind of just stepped in with into this initiative halfway and you know it'd be interesting to see if they had a little more dedication to it if they actually released maybe a full-fledged uh 
you know, Uncharted, well, Uncharted's a bad example since they did make one, but a full-fledged, you know, Spider-Man game, a God of War game, or just a way to get people excited about the system is that maybe it would have caught on a little bit more because as you can see with the PSP, with 80 to 82 million units sold good for the 11th all-time selling console is people were ready to buy this stuff. And the, the Vita had some pretty cool features too, you know, especially at the time. Um, I had a Vita and the remote play feature was kind of cool where, you know, it could, it could connect to your PS4 and you could play the games on there from your Vita so I could take it up into bed with me and, you know, continue on from where I was at. And with the rise of, you know, uh, technology, I think Sony would be able to utilize something like that even more seamlessly. You know, imagine you're, you're playing, you know, um, the next... I don't know, Spider-Man 2, and you're kind of in the middle of something, and you want to, like, be able to take it on a commute and just kind of swing around seamlessly. Like, that would be super cool. Um, you know, and then, and then kind of the other big thing for the failure of it is the proprietary hardware. I think, you know, anybody who was paying attention to the industry at the time knows what a dumb idea it was for Sony to make their memory cards proprietary. And I, I pulled up some pricing because I was just curious. So a 32-gig... Uh, um, SD card right now costs $10. A 32 gig PS Vita uh, card costs 120. <laughs> and there was no way the Vita didn't ship with internal memory. You could not use a Vita without a memory card in there. And the lowest option at the time was a four gig card for $30, which just is unacceptable. Um, so I just think if Sony was able to kind of take a look at some of the the issues that they we obviously all know that they had and fix it a little bit, they could see some major major success in this in this space. The one glaring issue that I would have, and you know, kind of maybe get your thoughts on this a little bit, Nick, is um, is is do they even have the the ability to? to make games for another skew, right? They, they're going very strong with PSVR 2 right now. And it almost seems like companies, especially with how long it takes to develop games nowadays, um, lim- resources are limited, you know, to be able to have a VR initiative that's solid and make games like Horizon, Call of the Wild, while, seeming, while keeping up with the production of the PS5 and, you know, the uh, first-party games that you've established on the previous console. It's, it's, I, I don't know. In fact, I would say it's very unlikely that they would be able to do that. So, um, you know, I know me personally, I think this is one of those things where I would just, I would like the ability to, you know, get trophies uh, while I'm away from my couch. I would like the ability, you know, to, to just have the PlayStation on the go. But it's just unfortunate. I, I don't know if they have the capacity to do that, um, yep. you know. And so, yep. yeah, just kind of what, what do you think? Yeah, I think the reason the Switch works is because Nintendo puts all of their development time into the Switch. You know, their studios yep. are making games for just the Switch. They're not making it for another handheld that has another gimmick or, you know, that or just can't run normal games. And the same with the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck just runs existing games and games that come out for the future for a PC, they can run on the Steam Deck. So if Sony was to do this, the only way I think they could do it is if it was like a portable PS4. So then you're bringing in all the PS4 games, all the indie games, any games that are made for PS5 and PS4, well, they'll run on this thing. That way you're not splitting development time uh, between a, a... a third platform. It's just a adjacent platform to the PS4, PS5 that runs their games as well. Uh, I think that's the only way it could work. And 
Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, don't I think that makes way. sense. Yeah, and, you know, and with cloud gaming and, and things like that, you know, it would almost make more sense if that was the case, you know, to just develop a PlayStation app for an iPhone. I'm sure an iPhone's strong enough to run those kind of things nowadays. And I just, I don't know, I just want a way to earn trophies away from my couch <laughs> so I can get more Platinums than you and stay with more Platinums than you. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I- you did bring up a, a good point and something I just thought of is is you know there is maybe a little bit more proof in in with history than i thought when it comes to companies being able to run two SKUs at the same same time and supporting them because when nintendo was killing it with the ds and the 3ds you know let's not forget the tragedy that was the wii u you know so that might have been just an instance where they were focusing kind of in the flip-flop where they were focusing so much on the handheld and like you know the wii u is just gonna just gonna have to die because it is what it is so i don't know it's it's, it's interesting but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see a PSV Vita two or or what the case. But at least <laughs> wanted to talk about it. No, but yeah, a PlayStation Portable again. That was like I said, a PS four that you could walk around with. That that would sell. That would yeah, instantly sell. Definitely. You know, that would be a Steam Deck competitor for sure. Yeah. Um, but probably not. Like you said, they're working on PlayStation VR and PS five, and it's hard enough just to make those things. So. Yeah, probably, I would. I would rather. I would rather them focus on VR, honestly. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on. Final topic. We're going to talk about collectors editions. This again was also inspired by the God of War Ragnarok collectors editions, which were not my thing. But I would kind of want to get your temperature, John, on what you would want in your ideal collector edition. Yeah. Um, so after thinking about this for a little bit, I, I think there's really without, you know, everybody's tastes are different. Right. So what I want in a collector's edition is going to be different than what the next guy wants, which is what the next, you know, different from the next guy. I would love a future that they made collector's editions modifiable or customizable where there might there might be a a slew of different things that you can select you know similar to the way that you can order through the app at Taco Bell right where yeah. it's like hey the, these <laughs> are our premium <laughs> was it that's why yeah. you know these are our premium items right so you can pick Thor's hammer uh, Kratos's axe or or the blades of chaos right and you can get one of those replicas and then you can get you know do you want a dice set pins or whatever and you know or even if there's a way to mm-hmm. make it 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 priced differently too where it's like I don't want the cloth and the dice and the statues and the this and the this I just want one or two of these items and I would rather pay 99.99 for those as opposed to 249 for those and a couple things I don't mm-hmm. want um you know and i and i honestly you know don't really know why that's not the case short of it kind of gets a little rid of the collector's aspect of it where you know if you if you cared about this franchise and property enough you went in you pre-ordered it the day, the moment it went live and you can show your friends be like look what i got i love them so much and if it was something more modifiable you know it's something you i don't you know you'd probably just have a lot more of um yeah. You know, so there's that. And then and then secondly, I would like it if they gave the option to not maybe not include the game in the collector's edition. And and the only reason I thought of that is because of, of this God of War run that doesn't even have the disc in the game. Right. You're just paying for you're paying for a case and a code. And why not just make the collector's edition seventy dollars less and then tell the player 
look, just, just go buy which one you want. Or, you know, if you, if you buy this collector's edition, you have the ability to get a, you know, a special case that for this, because you went and got the, the, uh, the collector's edition, but forcing people who want a physical item like Thor's hammer to have to just get an empty case. It's just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. You know, again, coming from us physical guys, you know, part of the reason we do physical is because we're cheapskates and we want to sell stuff back maybe. And, but obviously I'm never going to sell back my Thor's hammer that I want to put on my shelf. So <laughs> I would say whatever, whatever the, the, you know, whatever the case, I think customization is, is the key for me. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. I was just going to be like, well, what did you, what did you want in the box? But if you could customize the box before you bought it, I mean, that's a great idea. Cause I'm, I'm with you. Uh, no dice. Thank you. No, thank you. No, no cloth, mm-hmm. no weird cards or anything like that. You know, I just want the things that I want, which is, uh, on my wish list. I got, I want a statue of a character in the game, any character mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, I would love it if they put either a hardcover book of the lore of the game or a strategy guide with it. That would be right. that'd be a day one buy for most games. I would be instantly yeah. sold on the collector's editions. And if the game has like an open world, I I do love game maps. Like one came with Red yeah. Dead Redemption Two, and I and I, they're just cool to look at. So you're, you're not always just pulling up the mini map. You got kind of a map, and they're just interesting to look at and to refer to instead of you know whipping out your computer, or your phone, or the in-game uh, thing. It's they're just it's, it's nice to see, especially in a game like Elden Ring and Red Dead and these big massive open worlds. It's cool to have a map of oh, the, well, look at all these areas I'm going to go to, you know? Yeah. So if yeah, I could. That- if I could make my box with those items, I'd buy it instantly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm sure there's there's so many variables, you know, on the bigger picture that we're not thinking, you know, logistically, you know, maybe it's not possible to to do this because if they're shipping, you know, collector's editions are going to ship out day and date. So, you know, they don't have the capacity to build individual unique boxes for people. And it's mm-hmm. easier just to make, you know, 2,000 of the same thing. I get it. But, you know, it just would be... It'd be a more appealing to me if I could pay $119.99 for, you know, the game or for not even the game, for Thor's Hammer, that cloth map and like the, the album, right? Or whatever the cost would be, but not have, yeah, not have to, to spend, because what are, collector's editions are usually what, like 200 250 like the big ones, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the top tier. Yeah, that's too much, man. I'm not paying a console price for a game. Like, I don't think I could ever, ever do that. Um, Especially if there's items you know. in there you don't even want, <laughs> you know, like exactly. you're just, just exactly. going to toss away. So. Yeah, I don't I don't need a, a little, you know, the little statues are what, three inches? Like, that's cool, but that's also something that goes into a drawer and gets <laughs> forgotten about. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, don't, I would just like, yeah, the ability to to play around with it a little bit would be nice. I, I think we should just start a company that does it, John. Well... <laughs> I love the idea. You got the capital I, for it? The licensing and just dealing with Sony would be such a pain. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to license every single thing you have to work on. But yeah, that would be sweet. That would be really cool. And if any, if any company out there can do it, you know, uh, let us know and give us discounts. I'll buy, I'll buy your stuff. Well, I forget the company name, but there's that company that does like physical editions for really small games, that, like indie games. Uh, limited limited run games, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just yeah. have to do a, col- a collector's edition company, and then we'll just, you know, we only make as many as we get pre-ordered, and then that's it. And then they're collector's mm-hmm. items. They're true collector's items. We're not making anymore. So, 
All right. Well, I'll go talk to Dan Gilbert, see if I can get some funding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I have to edit this out because I don't want anyone stealing yeah. your idea. <laughs> That's fair. And also not knowing where, you know, never mind, <laughs> where I, where we live. <laughs> All right. So that's it. We did it. Another six things in the books. Uh, before Sweet. we go, John, what are you, what are you playing next? What is, what, what do we, what do we get to tease uh, for a future podcast? So last night, uh, after I wrapped up doom and deleted it, I, uh, I have a, a trio of games that I'm mulling over in my head. So I have uh, disco Elysium. Uh, I, I put about an hour into that a week or so ago and and was kind of shocked honestly how much I was I was liking the writing and the execution of it now will that translate into a full 25 30 hour experience I don't know because I'm typically not somebody that's that narratively focused so I'm thinking about that one uh Death Stranding is another one that's kind of one of those lingering you know PS4 uh backlog games that I I feel kind of bad that I haven't gotten to um but again I'm not crazy excited about the gameplay idea of it, but I want to see that story. Uh, and then the third one, which I know I told you I wasn't going to buy anything at the sale, um, but oh. I did <laughs> I did buy Death Store. Uh, it was only $11.99, and I played it on Xbox a while back and wasn't crazy about it, but decided that, you know, this is a, a, a good price, and I got to give it another shake. And I did actually put about an hour or two in it last night. Uh, got up to that, um, the witch fight, you know, the, the mm-hmm. lady who's a pot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And after playing it, you know, when I played it originally, it was when I was recovering with COVID. So I was kind of stuck in a side room in my house with a 720p 40 inch TV. But when I played it on my, my OLED with my surround sound, I got a much different vibe from it. The music is exceptional. It, the colors pop a lot more. Um, you know, it, it really struck me as one of those games that kind of, you know, that you get it, you can just kind of tell that everything they're doing, they're excelling in, whether it's the control scheme, the music, the art aesthetic, things like that. It's uh, The combat's a little bare bones, but I, I think I might stick with this one. Again, it, and it's going to be much shorter than the other two, so I could do that, get it out of the way, yeah. and then maybe move on to something a little more meaty, but... That's kind of what I'm trying to figure out right now. Probably one of those three. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Three games that I have bounced off of. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All three games I've probably tried and uh, have turned, been turned off on. So that's interesting. Do we need to refer, Nick. Do we need to refer to the wheel to make your next choice? Is that going to be a topic next week? To get uh, you to we'll play see how something? strong... We'll see how strong the news is next week. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I am going to check out Marvel's Avengers. It it was part of the PlayStation Plus extra tier. So, and I heard the campaign is decent. It's just the other stuff that's not great. So I'm going to at least give it a shot. And then uh, you'll probably hear an update about it next week. So look forward to that. All right. Well, we are done here. We are going to continue the doom uh theme of the show we're gonna leave you with rip and tear by mick gordon uh so if you're driving uh try not to drive like an asshole because the song is really gonna get you going uh, as the title implies so yes uh, again stay cool everyone we will be back next week with another show bye everyone awesome take care guys